Welcome to Word of Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 3-19-2023, and we're ready to continue our worship service this morning. We're going to continue with the thought of the week and prayer. Thought of the week. There are two special people. There are no special people who are somehow excluded from this depraved state. Every human being is subject to the results of Adam's sin, regardless of their opinions of themselves. The Apostle Paul included himself in this state of death when he said, all of us. None of us thought out any difference or as a special advantage as we come into the world. Our views and opinions about ourselves in the world cannot change our fallen state. It was not designed by us, no matter how logical or reasonable we think of our conclusions. Just as a baby is born into the world and cannot change their environment, we do not come into the world and change the reality, God, the reality of God's design. This sets up God's equality that all men are equally condemned and under God's wrath for the same reason, Adam. Further, when the solution to man's problems is presented, it will be universal for all men everywhere. The reality presented to us here is that we all live under, un, among them at one time. This is to say that some of us no longer live among them anymore. Even though that is not the emphasis in this verse, it is, it is necessarily true. What the verse seems to say to me is that we should have empathy for those still trapped in this state of spiritual death. We are not so different from others. We are different because, the grace, because of the grace of God. We all had our conduct in we all had our conduct in the realm of spiritual death with the sinful nature ruling over us, Romans five twenty one. We all came from Adam and inherited the same problems from him. All of us have the same hopeless condition before God. No matter what we think, as we seek to understand our true condition, we can begin to understand and accept God's universal solution. Thank you, Carol. Appreciate that. We're just going to move right to prayer. At this time, at this time, I'd like to uh, um, open floor for a prayer request. Anyone who has a request. Special prayer, prayer request. Okay, let, let's take this to the throne of God and grace. Heavenly Father, Lord, we are again grateful, Lord, for your grace, for keeping us, Lord, throughout the week from the last time we met, Lord. Thankful, Lord, because you're for your loving kindness, your tender mercies that are new every morning and never, ever fail. Thankful, 
Lord for this church that um, allows us to grow in grace. And thank you both for our pastor who teaches word in season and out of season. Thanking you, Lord, for your tender mercies, uh, for walking over us and keeping us, Lord, for the plan that you knew about us all from the past, that you knew you placed us specifically in this world uh, for the time, the place, the race that we were born into, Lord, that you had a time and a plan for all of that and placed us perfectly where you wanted us in this world. Thanking you, Lord, for again, for all your mercies. Asking, Lord, that you will watch over the sick. You know who they are. Those who need healing, come see about them, Lord. Uh, specifically, Lord, praying for my sister Gail and her family. You know their needs. Um, we want to also pray for the word is truth. Um, the word of truth, Christian church. Uh, that's my brother's church. Uh, and all asking that you watch over them and uh, Michael's specific physical needs, you know them, Lord. Asking that you will continue, Lord, to watch over and keep him. And Lord, this book, the book that the pastor is the, the gospel according to Doug, which Lord, you have the spirit of God. We're praying that you would bless the book. And our purpose is that people may buy the book or purchase the book and give it a fair hearing. Lord. They may hear out the the, the the word of truth and hear out the and be able to thereby make a decision after they read the book praying lord that they would just read it because truly lord as you know this book is a matter of life and death thanking you again lord for your all your marvelous blessings uh that you saved and thank you lord for saving us and not counting the things that we have done. In other words, for saving us in the righteous things, not because of the righteous things we have done, but because of your mercy, you saved us, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your saving work. In Christ's loving name, amen. 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 Thank you, Fred. And thank you, Carol. We are moving forward uh we we're in galatians chapter two you should have notes and we're going to we're we're still in the first section which is uh one through ten which is establishing his ministry among his peers so uh in your notes we're, we're i know where we are we'll pick up to point number three toward the end where we were last week but we're going to start right here the apostle paul established his calling and the decisions made to keep it authentic this new calling comes with a new dispensation 
revealed at Pentecost, just as Jesus promised. Paul reveals details about his ministry and establishes himself among the other apostles. He received the right hand of fellowship from his peers, and there was agreement on how to proceed. Paul recalls an incident with Peter. He saw the Jewish influences on the church and quickly, addre uh, and quickly addressed the matter publicly. This gives Paul an opportunity to show the metal of the new revelation. It also confirms and establishes the hidden theology and foundation of the church going forward for all the apostles. And that um, introduction is just to say there's so much more that is not in the introduction, but the thought is generally you could see Paul's influence on the church even among the other apostles. This is not to say that Paul didn't have his own issues and problems that he had to deal with before God and his own humility, but it does establish uh, something that is unique, I think. Part of the uniqueness is the fact, it'd be one thing as the disciples came from Jesus, they all were very much in the same understanding. Well, even there were some differences in in their uh, who they were. Some were fishermen, some were, you know, uh, tax collectors. And so, so there were some differences there, but they all had an opportunity to be with Jesus. So, but after a time, after years, God called the Apostle Paul. And he taught him directly. Jesus taught Paul directly. And I think it was not only good for that to be uh, that way with some time lapse between the original apostles, the disciples who became apostles, and Paul being called years later. I think it's fitting because we get a check on how the church was doing in its early uh, period. Paul came along, and some of the, dis the apostles that were there had to check themselves because Paul's ministry was very clear and direct from the Lord. Now, not that we didn't have the spirit of truth here, but as you know, we have a tendency to resist the spirit of truth, and we want to go our own way. But we, with, with the Apostle Paul, we have fresh revelation from God on things. Not that they didn't have these things, but it is a reminder and puts it before them. So let's just, <clears throat> I'm glad that is the case. So we're going to go in our notes right to Galatians chapter 2 verse 3. This is point number 3 as well. Yet not even Titus who was with me was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. So we went through a couple of these points. We'll read them just for our memory to, so that we can you know, make sure we uh, keep the continuity of the context. Not even Titus as point A, so we must acknowledge there were serious problems in the early church. God points out this must be corrected and documented for posterity. And that's important, right? Because now here we are 2,000 years later 
And if we were wondering what was the early church like and what was some of the problems that they had and what was some of the things that they succeeded in and what did they fail in, we need to know that so we can be better. So we can build on their successes and we can correct their failures. And they were human, so they made mistakes. We're not going to hold it against uh, a lot of them didn't see the new dispensation. They, we can't hold it against them. We have to say, okay, they did that. They made a mistake. Let's move on. So, uh, but we have the documentation for our posterity. And that is important because we're going to be gone one day. And there's going to be, well, if the Lord doesn't come, right? When we think it, there could be more generations of people. And they will also look back on what we thought and how do we understand the Word of God. And it's part of the history of the church age. Point B, who was with me? Not even Titus, who was with me? Never in Paul's Pharisee days would he travel with a Gentile. This is evidence that Paul, who was, he was sold out for the, for the Mosaic laws of the Pharisee, but now... Uh, he is sold out. He's a bond slave to Christ. And that's important. <clears throat> that's point B. You know, there was no way a Pharisee would have traveled and associated with that close proximity to a Gentile. No way. But, you know, there are some people who believe certain things, but you will see that they still have pockets of antagonism that are still that haven't really been flushed out. Well, that wasn't so with the Apostle Paul. He he was a Pharisee, and if he had this attitude toward Gentiles, and he was willing to totally relinquish all those things that he had as a Pharisee, it tells us that he really did believe and trust in this new age. There was his mind had to be transformed so that his worship toward God was correct in how he saw Gentile. There was a major distinction between Jews and Gentiles in the early church. So we should know that. Point C, compelled to be circumcised. And so the fact that we, it says not even... Titus, who, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised. In other words, this is to say that we already have a stance against these people that are encouraging the Galatians to be circumcised. And Paul was saying, no, we're not going to allow them to influence us. We're going to stand our ground. Uh, we're not going to... Uh, we have to take a stand to make sure that... Uh, other generations will know what the right way is here. And it could be the opportunity for there to be a split where there could be two churches, one who's Jewish primarily and under Mosaic law, and one who is Gentile and does not adhere to the Mosaic law. We don't want that type of thing. We want one church because there is only one church but there are people who are ignorant and knowledgeable in that one church. We recognize that. But we need to have uh, our compass directed toward what is absolutely truth. And that is what God the Holy Spirit has revealed. 
So, so that's the first thought. That's at point C. He was, he was not compelled, meaning they took a stand. Uh, and point C is not many are, are calling for circumcision today, but they are urging other features in the Mosaic Law upon the church. I mean, this is really, we know, the big ones are Sabbath observance, tithing, uh, dietary laws. Some people are saying that there must there are certain dietary laws that the Jews had that are now still part of the church, but we now have scriptures. Paul says anything can be eaten, <laughs> anything you want, as long as it would be received with thanksgiving. Now, here's a Pharisee. Now, if Paul knew... He knew what the Mosaic Law said. For him to say that would be a violation of the Mosaic Law. He could not say that if he were still thinking in terms of the law is in force. So we're not talking about somebody who wasn't sure or maybe not, wouldn't have known, or some Gentile who said, eh, we're not under that law. We're talking about somebody who was under the law, who did see themselves as beholden to the Mosaic Law. For him to say that shows the transformation of where he was from. And then, or, or when it comes to a day, one man considers one day above an, as holy, another man considers every day alike. He says, let everybody be persuaded in their own mind. In other words, that's not important. Before, you could be stoned for uh, your disobedience on the Sabbath day. I mean, that was very serious under the Mosaic Law. But Paul is making, uh, making light of it here. It's not a point. If a person wants to keep the seventh day, go ahead, let him. Let him keep it. If he wants to keep the next first day, let him keep it. If he wants to keep every day, Paul's exaggerating the point. Doesn't matter. And this is all right there in Romans 14, 15. You can read it for yourself. Uh, and it's clear, we're not under the Mosaic Law. The church is not under the Mosaic Law. But more than, than those features that I mentioned, tithing and you know, uh, dietary restrictions or what, what day to keep, people still go back to the Mosaic Law to establish church modus operandi. Instead of them looking for the New Testament in the new way, in the new revelation, they go back to the Old Testament to pick up how they lived in the Old Testament. Stories of David, Ezekiel, Nehemiah, Moses, uh, Joshua, on and on. All these figures, are their lives are lifted up as we should be doing what they did. We should be, and this is not to say we can't do that, but what it is to say is if that is occupying your full weight of time that you have here, then you are neglecting, as I would say, the weightier matters here, which are church-age conduct that are, is revealed in the New Testament, who we are, what our purpose is. See, that blending sort of says there is no new purpose for the church. It's just the same foundation that Israel had that we are just building on. No, it's something completely different in the church than we have from the Mosaic Law. They were of the world. We are not of the world. Their purpose is clear and defined in Scripture, and so is ours. So we, just like Paul shifted gears and understood his responsibility before God, 
and completely fleshed out whatever his allegiance to the Mosaic law was, so do we. He says, I am crucified with Christ, but I no longer live. And when he said that, he also said before that he is dead to the law. This is a Pharisee saying, I, was, I am now dead to the law and the law is dead to me. <laughs> That's clear that Paul, what Paul understood, that now he's in Christ and he's in the church. Point D, let's keep going. There were lots of false influences and attacks on the early church, just as there is today. However, we have in our instructions in writing, thanks to all the stuff that they went through, all the back and forth and the wrangling of the Mosaic law and Jewish thinking. And it actually, as you can keep reading the epistles, you come to find out that Paul calls them just Jewish traditions and Jewish ways and customs, right? He, he's saying we don't have to obey those because there were a lot of things that the Jews held to. It wasn't just the law. It was the teachings of the elders. We talked about that when we understood how what a Pharisee understood and why they were so meticulous about the teachings of the elders. And it's interesting, as we saw, that uh, these teachings of the elders, Jesus rebuked them for saying that you follow the teachings of the elders, but don't you notice breaking the law itself? So it's interesting. So in Acts chapter 7, I remember reading this. There's another thought, which we didn't bring out at the time, uh, where here's what he says in Acts 7, 51 and 2. He says, you stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised. You, you are just like your ancestors. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? They even killed them for those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. Notice, just like your ancestors. Well, so that is exactly what the Pharisees were focused on, the teachings of the elders, which is their ancestors. They, they memorized, there was an oral tradition where they memorized these teachings and then they carried them on. So by the time Christ came along, it was not so much the law that they were focused on, but their interpretation of the law, which kind of tells a bigger story than uh, we can right now. We've already covered this, but it is very clear where the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, where they were focused. Not so much the law, but their interpretation. Jesus came along and said, no, that's a false interpretation of the law. No, that's not the way it should go. And he brought them back. He wasn't denying the law. He was fulfilling the law. And that was according to the Spirit. So, so there are a lot of false influences, right? We, we can't think today that there are not more attacks on the church and, it, and the, the fidelity that we have to this new revelation, the New Testament revelation. We have to understand when these attacks happen so that we don't fall victim to them. Just like in the early church, we saw them. We, we get to read about it now. It's, it's in black and white for us to read about 
what their failures and their successes were. So that's the, the last part of point D, right? We're supposed to learn from their failures and successes. And that's what we do. We, when somebody does something right, we build upon that. We, but when somebody does something wrong, we correct it so that we can understand and move forward. Past. We don't want to repeat the same failures they did. That's important for us to note. So, Galatians, we're, we're moving forward to point number four, and this is Galatians 2.4. It reads, the matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. So here again, <clears throat> this matter. So apparently, this is point A, the matter was serious and the spirit of truth wanted to set the record straight. Let's review. So there, there are some things that we should understand because of the time in which this was written. Right. Well, this is a matter. Paul said the matter arose, right? Why he came to uh, this uh, Jerusalem in the first place is because the Spirit led him there. Remember, it was by revelation. So God told uh, the Apostle Paul, you got to go to this meeting. It's important that you be there. And Paul is saying here, the matter, right? But they didn't just say, well, I don't know why we're going to Jerusalem. We're, we're just going. No, th this matter was huge in the minds of everyone. So God needed to set the record straight. So no matter what happens today, a person could today say, oh, I think we should be keeping the Mosaic law. I think we should be doing this or we should be doing that. But you know what? We don't just have our opinions to counter that. We have the word of God because of what happened in the early church. And it's right at the very beginning. So it doesn't say, oh, for, for the first hundred years, they did it this way, and for the next one, no, it's at the beginning where God settled the matter. He dealt with the minds of all, he, he, he can't control people and tell them, this is what you must believe, and if you don't believe it, you know, then there's going to be consequences. <clears throat> he reasoned with us, and after salvation, there are rewards for service for those who follow God's plan and, and are committed and devoted to it. But for those who don't, there are no rewards. So this, this is a matter of sanctification. It is not a matter of salvation. Now, if they believed in Christ and were saved, that's fine. And today, if you look around, you can see people who believe in Christ are saved, but that's it. They want to get on with their lives. It is not about fulfilling the Father's plan for them. It's about doing what they think pleases them. So that's that's apparent even now. So here, point A, let's review this thought. The, the, apparently the matter was serious and the Spirit of Truth wanted to set the record straight, which he did. So now we have scriptures written to show that those things are wrong. So let's look at a few points here under this thought of the matter. So the matter is larger than circumcision. And I know I used Acts 15 to illustrate this. If you go to Acts 15, 
and verse 1, <clears throat> certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Now, if we just read that verse, and you would think, well, I mean, hey, I mean, this, this, was, this was important to them. This, this matter was important. But just note, for, for there to be a Jerusalem council, in other words, for all people to come to Jerusalem and meet for this council, listen, this is news that spread all over the early church. I'm sure everybody knew that this was going on. This is not something that happened in the corner somewhere. This happened in public. So... Two, this brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed among, along with some of the other believers, uh, to go up to Jerusalem to see the uh, uh, to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria they told how the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the believers very glad. And when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who, be who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So, so just notice that was the conflict. That was the matter. And if we look past what was the matter, in other words, these were the things they were wrangling about or arguing about, you have to ask yourself, why would the party of the Pharisees and you know these others who are in sharp dispute with, with the apostle Paul, why would they have such sharp dispute? It's because they refuse to accept the Spirit's leading, which is to say that we're no longer un under the Mosaic Law. Because that's really what Paul brought them. And he brought them evidence of not only the signs, wonders, and miracles, but the, con the converts, the those who received his message, uh, brought a lot of people into the church, people who were Gentiles in many cases. So this was a good thing, but they were, but the Jews there thought, yeah, it's a good thing. However, we should make sure they are Jews. We're going to convert them into Jews. How do we do it? Well, they got to be circumcised and they have to keep the Mosaic law. They have to make, go through a ceremony where they have to make vows to the Mosaic law. And that, all of that is a part of what the matter was. So, so really the matter is, they re there were some people in the church who rejected the new age. That's what it was. They rejected the new dispensation. They, did not, they said, no, 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 we're, this whole thing, Pentecost, I hear what you're saying. We reject that. We're still under the Mosaic law. That's what they were saying. Point two, there was spying going on, which means there was organized resistance to grace from the Jews. So just notice, Paul knew what they were up to, and they were busy trying to find out what Paul and Barnabas and others were up to. They were mad at Paul for telling people 
you have to keep, or you don't have to keep the Mosaic Law. They were just literally mad. And they went out, they sent spies to infiltrate what Paul and others were doing and then go back and report to uh, the Jews to tell them, hey, this is what he said, this is what he was doing, this is what they're teaching. And it's the same way when you look at what happened with Jesus. When Jesus began his preaching, <clears throat> the teachers of the law, the Pharisees and all those folks, they sent spies to infiltrate the ranks of, and say, well, what is this? Go to his meetings. Go to his, where he's teaching and report back to us. And so they did. They went there and they listened. And then one occasion, on one occasion we, we saw in the Gospels where uh, they came back and they said, well, what is he teaching? Give us some evidence so we can condemn him. And they said, man, no person ever spoke like this person. And then they were mad. They said, what, are you his disciples now? You know, the, the, the whole thought, even the spies came back with an understanding that, wow, this man, no, I've never heard anything like what I've heard him speak. So it, it just inflamed the, the Pharisees and the, the religious people even more. They didn't come over to, to, to the side to say, well, I guess we ought to go hear him then. So there was spying going on with the church as well. Paul was noting that. The same thing was happening. People reporting back and against Paul and the teachings of Paul. They didn't know the teachings of Paul were the teachings of Jesus. Point three, they wanted to bring everyone under the Mosaic law, which, which in, in, uh, in essence is rejecting God's direction. So God clearly laid out what his direction was. I mean, there was no if, ands, or buts about it. There's no question about it. It's clear. And not only is it clear, it's in writing for us. Now, this is no contradiction where God is telling people in the Old Testament, hey, you have to keep the law. And then in the New Testament, he's saying, the law's not important to me. See, this is how a lot of people see it. They say, oh, the Old Testament contradicts So, So what people try to do is they try to harmonize it. They say, okay, so it says we're not supposed to keep the law. Well, that means some of the law. We still have to keep some parts of it, other parts we don't. So, or, or you get people trying to blend it, right, to make it make sense. No, it doesn't make sense. We're not under the Mosaic law. That is the bottom line. The Mosaic law was for a nation. It's not for individual Gentiles who are in all over the world, different nations. And the church, again, is, has a new purpose before God. That's what we have to begin to see. So point number two, or three, they wanted to bring everyone under the Mosaic Law. And by doing that, they're saying, whatever God said, whatever direction he said we should be going in, we don't care. We want the Mosaic Law to be our doctrine, our way of thinking. And that was wrong. Point four, they openly rejected the new dispensation. I mean, they were on the side of rejecting it. They were enemies of the new dispensation. That's what it boiled down to for them. Openly, publicly, was what I mean. Even though God testified 
that this was the new direction for the church. And how did he do it? In the way that God does, always does, signal what is his direction. It is through signs, wonders, and miracles. I know you know Hebrews. We'll, we'll look at a couple of scriptures here. Hebrews 2, 3, and 4. Let me go to it quickly. <clears throat> says, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by the gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. <clears throat> now, <clears throat> excuse me, when we look at these two verses, generally speaking, most people would associate them only with salvation because of verse 3. How should we uh, escape if we ignore such uh, so great <clears throat> a salvation? That's how people look at it. This salvation was this and that, right? But really, in the time in which this is written, and understanding that this salvation is demonstrated through signs, wonders, and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will, he's talking about the church age. And when we get to the church age, first of all, Christ was controversial as well for the Jews. There were a lot of Jews who rejected the Messiah, just as there are today. But <clears throat> when the direction shifted from Christ to the church, well, now that presented other issues. And that's verse 4 is a reference to what's going on in the church. So what is it to say? Is that God's signs, wonders, and various miracles uh, and gifts distributed according to his will... <clears throat> are how we understand the direction. Now, I wonder if we were to stop right here, and I'm not going to solicit feedback for you, but I'm wondering if you see that signs, wonders, and miracles establish God's word, that how important that is for us, where we're living now. Even though we're not seeing signs, wonders, and miracles in the way that the first century did, <clears throat> Hopefully you are seeing the importance of the direction of God and saying, no, this is the Christ. Like John said, Christ did many other things that are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So establishing that Jesus is the Messiah was done through signs, wonders, and miracles. Christ said it as much as well in John 14 when he says, Believe on the, if you don't believe, believe on the evidence of the works themselves. In other words, you know that these signs, wonders, and miracles. And you also have Nicodemus's statement. So it's important that we recognize what truth is, what's demonstrated supernaturally by God. It's not something that, oh, I'm just of the opinion of this, or this is w what my hot button is, you know, if I, because I like to talk about the mystery or something. It is not that. It is the direction of God and the power of God was demonstrated in this by him doing these signs, wonders, and miracles. 
you, you have to wonder, am I standing on solid ground when we talk about the things that we talk about? We're not under the law, this and that. Church is new dispensation, all this stuff. Yes, we're, we're standing on solid ground. It's not just our opinion. This is, the, this is indelibly printed for us in the Word of God. We have it. I'm hoping we under all of us stand on that and not, well, it's just... This minister was really good. He was really emotional about how he preached. And he was very persuasive in how he preached. No. The reason why we know we are standing on truth is because of the demonstration of signs, wonders, and miracles. And these signs, wonders, and miracles weren't displayed in some cave somewhere where nobody could see it. They were displayed publicly. Publicly. So the second verse in point number four, right? This point number four in A, A4, is 2 Corinthians 12. Let's go to it. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 12, 11 and 12. Let's look at this. So Paul says, uh, remember the whole thing was about boasting and so forth. Paul says, if I boast, I'll boast about the things that show my weakness, not things that show my strength. Anyway, he goes on in verse 11. He says, I have made a fool of myself, but you drove me to it. I ought to have been commended by you, for I am not in the least inferior to the super apostles. Now, watch this. Even though I am nothing, he's still demonstrating his humility. Super apostles were probably Jewish people who came and you know, uh, wowed the Corinthians with their oratory. But Paul is saying, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the least. But watch what he says in verse 12. I persevered and demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. So there you have. He, does, he says, not only did I show few miracles but he says i persevered in other words he, he gave more than ample evidence to show that he that god's direction was this way through the apostle paul well not just him but the other apostles as well right they had signs wonders and miracles they did you can read and not all of them but you i'm sure all of them did have these signs that followed them and so did the Apostle Paul. God put his stamp of approval on the message and the person by saying, hear him, hear him. This is, this is I am here through this person. And again, so we have the demonstration of, especially after years of the apostles out there preaching this new message, here comes the Apostle Paul. Is he some aberration? Is he some Johnny-come-lately? Is he just somebody trying to make a name for himself? No. He had the backing of God himself and Lord Jesus Christ. This, to me, is why we know we are saying what the truth is. It's not because of how I feel or you feel. It is what God has recorded for us in the word of truth. So that, these are important features in my mind. Point four, notice it does not say they rejected Jesus Christ. 
but they rejected the spirit of truth, the liaison for the new dispensation. You know, it was the title when Jesus says, oh, you know, I'm going to leave, but the comforter is going to be here. The, the, the paraclete is the, the Old Testament, or, or I'm sorry, the Greek, the Greek term for uh, what, what Jesus Christ was saying. <clears throat> Another of the same kind, someone who will bring comfort like I am bringing comfort to you. Then he calls them other things like the spirit of truth. When he, the spirit of truth, comes. this is now, So there is this coming of the Holy Spirit that it was post the resurrection of Christ. And this coming of the Holy Spirit <clears throat> is specifically for the church to guide, to lead and guide us into all truth. Truth about who we are and truth about the Father's eternal purpose. All of this is spelled out in the epistles through uh, the apostles and prophets that were given to pen the word of truth, right? The, the scriptures that you have before you right now. So it's important that we see <clears throat> that there saying what they're saying is we reject all of this evidence and we defer to the fact that we have the truth and we're going to continue on with the mosaic law and that as uh, the truth not what the spirit of truth has brought never mind all the instruction that christ gave never mind the signs wonders and miracles that and what he even told everybody that he would rise again after the third day and sure enough, that's exactly what he did. And if that's not enough to say, well, this man is from God, then you have all of the apostles and prophets who were, were doing these signs and wonders that let people know for sure that God was behind them. And sure, even then, people decided in their heart that they would not yield to that information. They would not yield to that. They would still maintain the Mosaic Law. Now, just We know that that was a strong influence. So we don't expect it to die easily. And that's why even today we find remnants of people trying to go back to the Mosaic Law. But in their trying to go back to the Mosaic Law, they are rejecting, just know, they are rejecting the New Age information that has been revealed. It's not been revealed yesterday or three weeks ago. It's been revealed in the very early church 2,000 years ago. It's been neglected. That's why I like the other verse in Hebrews. <clears throat> How shall we escape if we neglect this great salvation that we have? How shall we escape? So that that is a good thought to think about. So <clears throat> point Number five, this is, um, we're still in uh, Galatians 2.4, we're still in A5, it says, notice, they didn't reject Jesus Christ, but they rejected the spirit of truth, the liaison for this new dispensation, 1 Corinthians 2.14, let's read it. <clears throat> now, if you read the scripture by itself, you might make up whatever you want, right? You could say whatever you want about it. But when you read it in context, oh, the power of it is more, more clear. <clears throat> it says, the person 
without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. So you, wow, this verse. But now you know, this is interesting when you understand the person without the Spirit is not necessarily the unbeliever. I know we'd like to think, oh yeah, see, this is very clear. See, if you don't have salvation, you don't have the Spirit. Well, this is true, but I think this is by application that you can make that truth. But direct, the direct understanding of this verse is the things that goes back to verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived. These are the things that God has prepared for those who love him. And these things God has revealed to us by his spirit. Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So the person in verse 14 is the person who rejects the things that come from the spirit. He's talking about the deep things. And if you go back to even the previous verse, Paul says, this is what we speak. Not in words taught us by human wisdom, but words taught us by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The subject is not salvation, but the deep things of God. So not, and, and it's something, that is so, and what are, what are we referring to? The new dispensation, which is not seen, was not preached about, was hidden in God, it was not revealed, so forth and so on. So, 1 Corinthians 2.14 speaks directly of the new dispensation, which is by means of the spiritual liaison, the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. Point six, point six, we have freedom in Christ. As Paul was saying, uh, they were trying to spy out our freedom in Christ, and we have that. And, and so why do we say this? Because we have a different purpose than Israel. It's easy for us to say there's a contradiction when we're talking about the same thing, right? If, <clears throat> if, we, if we're Israel and God's telling us, hey, by the way, Israel, you are now Israel and you're not under the law. Well, that's a contradiction because if we're talking about Israel, Israel is under the, under the law. No doubt about it. But if we're talking about two different things, another example would be faith without works is dead. And that's what James said. And then what, what did Paul say? You know, that man is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So you can't have both of those. Well, but guess why you can have both of those? Because both of those statements are referring to different subjects. Paul is not referring to living the Christian way of life, Paul is referring to salvation. That's clear. James is not referring to salvation. He, he's, did I say Paul is referring to salvation? I meant to say, I'm getting this screwed up. I'm, if I did say it, let's just clarify. Paul was referring to salvation. I hope I said that earlier. But James is not referring to salvation, but how to live the Christian way of life. So, two different subjects, you can have two different statements. 
If it's the same subject, well, well, we have to say, wait a minute, it must be a contradiction. But because people can't sort it out, they mix the two subjects as one, well, it's a problem for them. So what do they seek to do? Harmonize it, which is wrong. You say, oh yeah, you got to have faith, but your faith must include works. Well, no, that's not it at all. Paul clear, clearly tells us that we have faith and that faith is apart from, this is Romans 3.28, the works of the law. No doubt about it. Or you can go to 4.1 and 2. It says, what did Abraham realize? It's faith apart from works. So this is important. And I'm going to, we'll quote Jude 1.3. We're, we're coming to the end of our thought here. Jude 1.3, dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt compelled to, to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So why do I bring this verse at this point? It's because I wanted to show you there is distinction between salvation and some other thoughts within the Christian way of life. So here you have, eager. I, I want to tell you, I want to write about salvation, says Jude, but I, I, I'm compelled to turn my attention to something else, to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to God's holy people. So it's possible to have one thought of salvation and another thought to say, well, we're not going to talk about salvation. We're talking about this other issue. I find that people today, are, it's, they're hard-pressed to do that. They don't clearly distinguish the two subjects. That's what we are called upon to help them with. And so we can help them understand that there are two subjects. And salvation is by grace. It is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It is not of works. It is not by works done in righteousness that we can boast in any way. It is free. And once you have received the grace of God, then God will show us how to renew our minds and to be transformed into his image so that we can fulfill his purposes for our lives in this world. So we're going to stop right here. We're, we're going to pick up next week <clears throat> at Galatians 5 and Six, I know we didn't get far this, this time, and I know, I know we're saying this is an overview. And looking at the notes, there is danger that it won't become an overview, but an actual study. But I'm going to do my best to keep it as an overview. So, But with that, we're going to close and uh, pick up next week with uh, Galatians 2.5. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had. We thank you for those who have come and participated, reasoned, and challenged, and, and we thank you for this uh, group that we have. It's a special group. We're not just here to look at the surface of things, but we want to know what your word actually says, how we can apply it to our lives. We thank you, Father, for preserving it for us, helping us to see the, uh, the successes and the failures of the early church, we can apply these things so that we can grow up into Christ, into the fullness and stature 
of him. We thank you, Father, for the book that has been published this past week. We pray that others will come to read the book and, and that their, <clears throat> their minds will be changed by the spirit of truth, transforming them so that they can, we can all be on the same foundation as we approach you and understand grace and your will in salvation. All of this we ask in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. 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 Amen.